Welcome back to Pretty Good Vibrations, the podcast that both celebrates and analyzes emo, emo type rock bands that happened to tour with Sherwood or This Day and Age between the years of 2004 and 2010. This is a, a very particular set of bands. But as I talk with my friend Jeff Martin from This Day and Age, we get to talk about the role that touring played in our lives, in our friendships in that part of our life. And we get to tell some some cool stories and, and get a little bit in the psychological weeds. Um, not too far. Mostly we talk about bands. Uh, it's been really fun to make this list and to be able to talk with Jeff and play clips about these bands. Feel free to share it with any friends, any of these bands even, if you're friends with those guys. I will do a little bit of that myself. Okay, enough pontificating. Let's get into the episode, part one today, part two next week with Jeff Martin. Jeff Martin, former singer and guitarist of this day and age and friend of mine for now, coming up on 17 years here. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Dan. 17. Wow. Yeah. 2006, yeah. we toured together. Yeah. Yeah. But I do consider you a friend as well. So, so good to be here with you, man. Uh, this is an episode about our favorite bands that our bands toured with. Um, obviously, not all the listeners to this show have been on tour, but I would say a, a decent chunk have. And even if not, there's some understanding of, of what that's like. Uh, it's a very right. unique human experience. It's an ancient human experience, being nomadic with a group of mm -hmm. people and a shared purpose. Um, but in our time, it's it's rare. Most people don't spend any significant portion of their lives meaningfully on the road. I talked a little bit about co comedian versus band touring with a previous guest, Sam Talent, on the 80s punk tournament episode. And that was really interesting to me to kind of contrast those. But it's really similar. And you and I both lived this for many years of our of our young adult lives, our 20s. Uh, tell us a little bit about, like, give us the real basic backdrop of this day and age, your band. When were you active? How much touring did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So this day and age, um, our band was centered around Buffalo, New York. All the guys from, from the band uh, grew up there and lived there at the time. And three of the guys, three of the original members, uh, Mike, Steve, and Pete, who's my cousin, they had started a band that was honestly primarily centered around MXPX covers. <laughs> and I, I, rem I remember one Christmas party, I think it was Christmas of, two th of the year 2000. Pete, we were at our family Christmas party, actually at, my, at Pete's house, my Aunt Tina's house. And Pete said, hey, so... I know you're, you know, I was starting to play in a couple bands at my school, just very, very informally, right? Casually. And Pete just said, Hey, would you ever want to come and just, just play with, with, you know, jam with me and my friends? You know, we obviously shared this love for MXPX. He's like, would you ever just want to come to my friend Steve's basement sometime and just play and see how it goes? And I said, honestly, sure. Like I had been in one sort of hilarious ska band called the troubleshooters um where i just played that's guitar. a great uh, ska band yeah, isn't, that a, isn't that a good 
Yeah. So I didn't sing in that band. You know, I just played guitar. That was my first, that was my introduction to being in a band. Yeah. And then I was in this other band, just in my friend's basement that we, we just called it part of the problem. And we never, I don't think we ever played a show. We just played in my friend's basement. <laughs> That's a few, another good, wow, good name, yeah, man. Good names, right? Seriously. A few months later, I remember, I think it was April or May of 2001. We played something called West Stock, which is which was a festival at Kenmore West High School, which where Steve, our wonderful drummer, Steve, who, you yeah. know, um, that's Steve. where he went to high school. I want to say if we played five songs, four out of five were MXPX songs. <laughs> and I think we might, I think, I think we might've done one original song. And at that point, my cousin Pete was still the lead singer of the band. He started as the lead singer of this day and age. And I, so Let's just say we played five songs. Pete sang three. I sang two, and so truly began this day and age at Westock in two thousand, wow. early two thousand one. Yeah. Okay, but the Crazy. your your first full length came out in oh four, oh five, oh three. So we had one. So we did an EP um, that we totally did ourselves yeah. in two thousand two, and then two thousand three we did a, a full length called Start Over on Monday, which is the the full length that allowed us to get signed or get, get okay. attention from a few record labels. And then, so yeah, I consider our first full length start over on Monday, but obviously the, the first full length that most people know is always leave the ground, which was another year or two later. Right. And that's the, yeah. that's what I first heard. We toured together in 2006 supporting the mm. rocket summer Bryce and his yes. crew headlining um, very good. Jonathan Richmond was also on that tour and it was the four of us essentially yes. doing a full U S tour. It was like a couple months long. I believe yeah. it was the longest, uh, might've been the second longest tour we had done. Cause we had already done a big, uh, Daphne loves Derby, this Providence Sherwood, uh, like okay. full U S tour, which I think was like 70 shows, like a really big one. So I guess this was the second longest. Yeah. I remember, I remember something very similar that, that tour with you guys in Rocket Summer was at that point definitely our longest tour, and I think yeah. I can't remember if it was right right after maybe we we went and toured with Punchline, and I think that then became our our yeah. longest tour. And, and you and this day and age, I'm going to play a, a track here from the next record, what is technically your third record. But you guys were you know it was, it was emo pop mid aughts. Like how do you just how do you describe it genre wise? Yeah, I mean I I always just said it was kind of like melodic rock emo pop. Um, you know, we definitely started, as I mentioned, as straight up pop punk. Um, but I think especially there was a big jump, probably almost an alienating to our fans jump between um, Always Leave the Ground and The Bell and the Hammer. But nonetheless, yeah, I, I would say melodic rock emo pop was probably a good, a good place to land. Well, it was a shock to the system in the best way to me when you came out with bell and the hammer, I'm going to play, I'm going to play this song of yours, second star and to the right, by the way, our own bands are exempt from this list of top touring bands to, to keep it from getting awkward and from having to sort of, you know, fluff each other in any kind of a way. So, uh, but I am going to play uh, my favorite track and you're going to play one of your favorite Sherwood songs. So, okay. We're going to do that a little bit here at the beginning so that we can move on and talk about other bands and not ourselves. Uh, but Sounds this track, this track, second star to the right is, I'm going to play this instrumental groove at the beginning and then I'll go to the second verse and we'll hear that through the chorus. So we'll get a little Perfect. bit longer clip than normal, but here is that all time groove from second star to the right. Hmm.
freaking love it, dude. I love it. It's it's fun. It's fun when you're far enough away, you know, separated from your music where you can enjoy it in a, in a different way. Yeah. And when, and that is, that is one of those songs that for sure, when I hear it, I'm just like, man, that was, that was, a, that was a nice one. It is such a great groove. Okay. But let's hear like verse chorus yeah, go, kind yeah, of go thing ahead. here. so great but it's fun yeah i mean and i remember and i don't want to get too too heavy too quick but we named that song second star to the right so you you remember our merch guy justin fenske yeah yeah you know he he passed away about almost 10 years ago now and justin fenske was obsessed with peter pan and and hook and all mm. that so we, we i remember we uh we named that song second star to the right uh because that's that's from that's a peter pan um quote oh so that song hits different now that that song hits different for sure wow. in hindsight not you know i write that song in you know 2006 and means one thing then and means something totally different uh these past several years man fenske was the best just a total joy Unbelievable. Which, which actually i i did want to <laughs> I got to say, so your band, then, then you left this day and age, this day and age dissolved and the rest of them became the reign of Kindo and they continued mm -hmm. touring and we brought yeah. reign of Kindo on tour at one point. Sherwood did. So I got to tour with two versions of the rest of your band, essentially. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think of you guys as one unit because socially, like this is a big part of touring that people probably don't think about. But you only spend, you know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour and a half if you're a headliner max of your day playing music, 25 right, or yep. 30 minutes if you're an opening band mm -hmm. and there's 24 hours in a day. So you have a lot of other time and you yeah. hang out for so many hours with the other bands. And it's such an interesting way to build friendships. It's probably the most like if you were both summer camp counselors that's mm -hmm. probably the closest thing in the non-musical world to what a tour friendship is like yeah i think that's a good i think that's a good point speaking you're in this kind of never never land it, you are a little totally, bit yeah. the lost boys <laughs> frankly out yeah. on the road even if there are women in the band like you're out kind of doing this thing you're nomadic you're not connected to sort of the regular rhythms of society and you are entertaining high schoolers just like a camp counselor <laughs> exactly. would be doing that's so funny I, I love the way you put that you know and then you're doing it together yeah. and, and building these friendships and uh, one of the probably the saddest thing to me about having done that at this point in my life is that because of the fact that it's on the move, the friendships become geologic, geographically distant, right? Sure. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. live on the East coast and I just don't get to physically see you very often. Like you've been, right. you've been gracious and, and visited when you came for work, you know, we got together. That was like five yeah, or six years so nice. ago. Right. Yeah. No, if I lived, if I lived on the West coast, I would definitely try to see you guys. I tried to see, especially now that I travel a little bit for work, I have actually seen a few 
um, touring friends and, you know, uh, yeah. maybe we won't do any spoilers yet, but yeah. some of the, some of the friends that we even mentioned here, um, that's been a fun part of my, you know, real life work, um, currently yeah. to still see some old friends, but no, you're totally right. Like we, we were just always on the move. And then after a month or two or however many weeks we toured together, you might not see a person for whoever, you know, who knows yeah, how long, right? Years. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you guys, I think of this day and age and reign of Kindo as one unit, because mm -hmm. the social atmosphere of your band, you guys were, I think it's safe to say the funniest and most like the most wholesome, funny and fun group of guys to tour with. I think I'd put wow. you at number one. Uh, on That's that so metric nice. and just the what the example that always comes to mind is the game you guys used to play where you would try and keep your your face absolutely still but you would sound like you were crying so like <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna do <laughs> uh, it was like a tour game so it'd be like this like you're you imagine my face totally still but i'm going <laughs> but then you can't frown and you can't laugh and everybody's uh, laughing like that's a pretty good that's a pretty representative yeah. example of what life and, was like with you guys and that's totally a mic like a mic thing um i'm sure yeah, it originated but, but with steve him. Yeah. yeah but right oh, right yeah. in there too i mean just the funniest oh, for sure just the funniest dudes so uh such good guys it was it was actually great to that point being able to bring them on tour even though you weren't there and that was sad for me because i think you and i had got got pretty close on that first yeah, rocket we did, summer we tour did. So it was a bummer yeah. to not have you there, but it was also just a joy to be able to spend some more time with oh, those guys. Sure. So yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's talk about the rules. Oh, you got to play a Sherwood song and then we I got to do on. a Sherwood song. Come okay. On, so set, set up, set up this song. So Sherwood and, you know, not, not just to, you know, give you flattery back, but I, when I think, when I think of this day and age, and when I think of the bands we tour with, toured with there instantly in one second there are a couple bands that come to mind and you, and you guys are one of them without a doubt mm -hmm. and when i think of your you know i think of your face and i think of mikey's face and i think of joe's face and so much joy i i, I remember and and mikey would be the kind of guy who would suddenly become part of you know my, my band set at times as as a practical joke because yeah. of yeah. how much joy you know he he offered to our tour I, I vividly remember this one show in buffalo that we played with you guys i think at the a venue called the icon and yeah. mikey came on stage wearing you know i think one of what would be considered a, a girl's this day and age shirt that was you know <laughs> that was that was made for for women yeah. and he, he he was wearing it and just kind of all going all over the stage and just kind of you know touching our faces and just coming close to us and yeah. we're you know we're still expected to kind of get through the song and uh, i just remember there were so many moments like that where we just we just enjoyed being with you guys so much are a huge significant memory for me when i think of this day and age so and then yeah like you said being part of one of our longest tours you know our second longest tour that we ever did yeah. and i think we and if, and i feel like we did some other smaller little runs yes. together. Um, I think one of those Buffalo that. shows was not a part of the tour. It was like an additional, yeah. I think it was first and we kind of met that wouldn't have been the prank time there, but there was a different Buffalo show. Co correct. Yeah. So this is also a common thing at the end of a tour. It's very common for bands to play a prank on each other during the last right. show. 
And sometimes these escalate into absolutely wild stories. There are some episodes of, I think, labeled the Tooth and Nail podcast, but maybe also Bad Christian, uh, the Emery guys, old name of their podcast, specifically devoted to tour pranks. And man, it can get insane, but usually pretty good natured. But I would say like 75% of our pranks involved Mikey in some strange outfit bedeviling (laughs) the other band during their thing. And the one I think of specifically is Hanson in 2009 when we did a full U.S. tour with Hanson. And our prank uh, during the last show was there was a piano song that Zach, the drummer, would would sing called Use Me or Use Me Up or something. And frankly, it was kind of like the low boring point of the set anyway. And so we were like, this is the, so Mikey went out in tidy whities and lay across the piano, (laughs) like Marilyn Monroe to the president or something during (laughs) Zach Hansen's solo piano ballad. And it was such a chef's kiss memory. That is the best. Yeah. And Mikey, yeah. I can't remember if I, if my memory is creating this, but he may have been wearing some sort of like wings, like some sort of <laughs> pair of wings um, while he was kind of like frolicking around the stage. I but, would definitely believe it. Yes. Yeah. I think it's possible, but no, um, I, I, I think so fondly of those, of those times and you guys in particular. So, and I tried to pick song. I know we didn't do this exactly the same, but I tried yeah. to pick songs from the era in which I, you know, I toured with the band or songs yeah. that I remember from those shows. Yeah. So I'd like to, pl- I'd like us to play. I'm asking her to stay from the Sherwood summer EP. It's one of my favorite songs by you guys for sure. It's also one of my favorites, uh, not to scoop an episode that Joe and I are going to do about each of our top five or top 10 Sherwood songs. But um, this is one of the only lyrics I ever saw tattooed on anybody might be actually the only lyrics I ever saw tattooed of a couple Sherwood tattoos, you know, some, something from a song. Isn't that a crazy crazy thing when you, when I have a few stories like that, where someone would come up to me and show me, you know, lyrics on their body, you know, that I wrote while I was working at, you know, the UPS store, you know (laughs) what I mean? Unbelievable. Yeah. And and I'm like, and so that's on you forever, huh? But yeah, Yeah. no, play the song. It's, it's a really good one. It's, it's a jam for sure. Appreciate that. This is I'm asking her to stay from the summer EP. I've been spending all my time composing letters to a girl who lives a thousand miles away. But writing never takes the place of living. And I need her arms. I need her smile again And she called me out to let me go today For a moment thought it easier than being away But through the tangled thread the needle finds a way And I'm asking her to stay That was the line through the tangled net to through the tangled thread, the needle finds a way was the, was the lyric. And there was like a needle and thread kind of a thing in that tattoo. Such a good song. I almost sang those high counter melody harmonies. I don't know if I would have been able to hit them right now, but um, such a good song Ma- makes me, reminds me that one of the things that Nate and I, your singer um, shared in common is our love for Pedro the lion. And we always used yeah. to talk how one day we wanted to start a little, um, Pedro the Lion tribute 
band, um, which would really be one of the saddest tribute bands of, of all time. <laughs> Usually, yeah, but I, you I could only would, play uh, living room shows. <laughs> exactly. So, so Nate, if you're listening, or or Dan, if you talk to Nate, please remind him okay. about this. We can. We, there's still time. That song. Just just speaking of touring, I don't always remember where I was when I was writing, you know, the, the melodies or right. the lyrics. Sometimes I have memories for some songs, but that one in particular, I remember being in the back seat of the 15 passenger van driving around, I think Denver and just mm. inspiration struck. And I was like, ah, uh, guys, can you please turn off the music? Like I, I need to work out this idea. And that's one of those songs that came very quick, probably wrote, mm you know, what is now 90% of it, you know, chords, melody, verse, and chorus lyrics in 40 minutes, just right there in the back of the van. And it's, it's one of my top five Sherwood songs. So, so good. Such a good you. song. I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I yeah. want to stop talking about my own band now. Right. And, and enough, so let, enough, enough, enough. let's talk about eligibility rules here. Okay. So mm -hmm. what counts as a band we toured with? We are not counting festivals. Okay. Yeah. That would have been too much. Yeah, if I counted Warp Tour, Lollapalooza, Purple Door, and Cornerstone, that would add like four hundred other potential bands to the list. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember one year we played Warp Tour, and at the exact time we were starting our set, in the distance, I hear Fall Out Boy also starting like their unbelievably massive hit song, and I was like, yeah. "Wow, this is a bad time slot." That is a really bad time <laughs> slot. <laughs> That's a bad time slot. <laughs> yeah, but no, we yes, we can't count all those bands that we barely even knew, right? That like, we're just yeah. on this giant, giant festival. And, and with one exception that we will explain at the time, these are basically bands that we played at least a week or more of shows with. Um, most of mine are month or month plus. So I actually would like to give a full list of the bands that are not on my top 11. So we're doing about our top sixes. We're going to play couple songs from and talk through them each. And then we have some honorable mentions that we will play at the end. So other, these are not those bands. Sherwood played with so many bands. So these are additional 25 bands that we toured with. Mm. Number one fan, number one gun, Daphne loves Derby, this Providence, the reign of Kindo, house of fools, may the forecast, the higher we shot the moon armor for sleep. Cobra Starship, The Academy Is, Zebrahead, Go Audio, The Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, Anchor and Braille, Deus Vale, Better Than Ezra, Amber Pacific, Just Surrender, Pink Spiders, Houston Calls, Hanson, and Steel Train. And I probably left a few out. Wow. We toured, we did 800 shows in about seven years. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, we, we obviously stopped um, earlier than you guys. You know, we were right up, right up until about 2007. Yeah. And yeah, I was thinking we're kind of in like the 500 show realm. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't make a list like that, but honestly, a bunch of the bands that you mentioned, we did, we did little runs with as well, for sure. And as well as many more. So yeah, that's, I love that list, man. You got to send that to me. That just jogs my memory so much. Yeah. It, you know, and I, I do have to say this because our bands were not that different in size. I would mm -hmm. imagine that each of our top selling records are in the ballpark of each other, but yeah. our tour list is, is ultra impressive. And there is a reason for that. It's that we signed to MySpace records for three of those years and MySpace would just give a band tens of thousands of dollars of free MySpace.com front page promotion. 
and like all these other services that they didn't give to normal people unless you paid like messaging all your friends, all the band's friends, mm-hmm. like, which is, that's like, could be like a million person email blast, you know, for Reliant K. And they were just like, well, if you bring Sherwood on tour, you can have that for free. <laughs> that's, that's, that is a nice deal for you guys. It was an incredible deal for us. And then the other thing they did, a lot of these bands were in the UK and Europe and they really, they wanted to break a band in the UK so that so that their label could have a band worldwide that used MySpace's international presence. And so they spent like $100,000 or more trying to get us going in the UK, which did not work. Uh, but mm. we got to play, that's when we toured with Say Anything. That's when we toured with Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. That was okay. a part of it too. Anyway, that's just kind of fun to go through a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, that's what, super fun. That's, that's an awesome list. Time capsule. Okay, well, let's get into uh, our list. So we're going to alternate mm-hmm. between yours and mine, and we're going to go from number six up to number one in reverse order. And we were going to only really talk at length about top fives, but we had the same number six. Now, my number six is really almost a tie with number five, uh, but it, was a, it duked it out. But we have we have the same number six, and that's Waking Ashland from San Diego, California. Uh-huh. We love Waking Ashland. Yeah. 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 And I, and I do want, and I do want to say that I think all of these, these bands, not that it matters too much, but there's such, there's such a minimal difference in my mind, you know what I mean? Between like, totally. you know, the number, the number is kind of whatever to me, it's just honestly the top five or six bands that sort of came to my mind that I, that I wanted to talk about or their songs, you know, meant, meant a lot to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, John and Jonathan, me, you and Jonathan, we, I think we became pretty close on a couple of tour, little runs that we ran yeah. that we did together. And yep. uh, I just love that band. I would say for me, my one through four are pretty well differentiated from each other. And then five to nine is a big jumbled mess. And like on any for given sure. day, one of those could move, but, but waking Ashland, I've got at number six. Um, let's start by mm-hmm. playing a clip. I think we, we actually both picked this song. It's called Edinger. This is my favorite Waking Ashland song. It's named after a street in Santa Ana, California. Here's Edinger. What a track, dude. Well, Jonathan, are you kidding me with that chorus? It's a great chorus. It's such That's a good such chorus. a good chorus. Whoa. I know that was on my list too. And I was just, yeah, go ahead. Well, they were like our sister band. We were about five hours drive from each other. They were in San Diego in Cardiff. And I actually think maybe Northridge where they were in college for part of it. And we were in San Luis Obispo. And we self-released our first EPs within months of each other. 
they were the ones who I talked a little bit about this with Joe, I think on the warp tour Oh four tournament episode, but they were the ones who were like, dude, just come out here and start setting up this stage. We'll vouch for you. They'll let you play sometimes, but you could sell merch every day. And I mean, it's the, it's the single coolest thing anyone has ever done for us, ever did for us in our career. That led to three weeks of warp tour to close out our first national tour. We sold like three or 4,000 copies of that EP, uh, just person to person wow. because there's thousands of people at warp tour every day. Oh, sure. Yeah. And we just worked all day long. And then we released our first albums within a month of each other, but they signed mm -hmm. a tooth and nail who was not yet interested in Sherwood. We signed to sideshow. And then that album that we just heard composure was produced by Lou Giordano, who we then hired for our second record, a different light. Right, so just right. so okay. much in common. And, I'm, you know, also I will say Jonathan, the singer and I, as well as Ryan Lallier, their guitarist. I mean, those two yeah. dudes are in my top five or six closest friends that I've made in any mm -hmm. of in any of this time. So I just have so much personal affinity for them. And then later yes. on, Joe and I went with Jonathan to China. Um, we helped him start his second band. We shot the moon. I mean, it's just just a huge. I wrote ad music with Jonathan. Just been just been friends for a very long time. And I just. Uh, I just really like their band still. I, f I feel very similar. I mean, we they, they're another one of those bands that when I think of this day and age touring, we we never did super, I don't think we did super long tours with them, but I feel like we did, I mean, man, I feel like we did like three or so smaller tours with them and just, yeah. we would just, we would run into them, you know, fairly often. Um, I, I even believe a few of our May shows um, were with Waking Ashland, but yeah, Jonathan and Ryan and, you know, and there weren't a lot of guys at that time that were, that were, you know, leading from a, a piano. I feel like that's become right. a lot more co common, right? Like as, as the years have gone by and post both of our band era, but it was just, it was a unique thing, I, at least for me to see, you know, to see their setup and to see Jonathan. I know there was that something corporate thing, but there weren't a lot of other people doing that. I mean, they were there, really there, there weren't at the beginning of that yeah. kind of piano rock uh, niche out of the emo, larger emo pop scene. And I'm, I think I yeah. was always surprised that they, that that record especially did not do better. I think it did fine. I mean, I think it yeah. sold 30,000 copies or something like that, which is plenty of yeah. records, Right. but it is such a good record. And for the time, it really feels like it should have hit a bigger nerve. I, I feel very similar to kind of what you're saying. Like I, I always thought, you know, they did well, they, you know, similar yeah. world to, to both, both of our bands. But yeah, no, I thought that there was something about that album that would kind of sort of take them to the to the next level, if you will. But yeah, who knows? Who knows how that stuff works and why, you know, why it doesn't at certain times. But such a good song, such a such a great group of guys. Let's play one more. This is I Am For yeah. You, which was the title track of their first EP that got them signed to Tooth and Nail. And this, you know, this got some play. I think it did well on mp3.com or whatever was yeah. pure volume, whatever was going on those days. Yeah. yeah. A minor pure <laughs> yeah. volume hit. Uh, but this is yeah. also a really solid song. And all the same mistakes. Cause I know you.
such a good song. Yeah. Okay. So that's number six, Waking Ashland. Your yeah. number five, the format. So this is the band that we're, we're getting a little squeaky here because the format are fucking awesome. So that's why. So basically for a little context, we definitely did not do a long run with the format at all. And right around the time where this day and age was sort of coming to an end, we did a, we did a, a, a few shows uh, with the format and gym class heroes, which is amazing and hilarious that we, we were all playing together. Yeah. And when I told you, Dan, that, that, cause you had seen them sort of on my honorable mention list. You're like, Hey, these guys are a little too, a little too good, a little too good to be at the bottom of the list. One of like the deeper regrets of bands that we never did get to play with. Like they were, they were top five for us in terms of bands roughly in our scene that we held in, in the highest esteem. Such a good, such a good band. And, you know, I don't have, you know, necessarily any, you know, relationships with the, the guys in that band. I remember they said a few kind words from, from the stage at those, at those shows. Yeah. But the, the songs from this album, which is that, that era are just so, so good. I remember the first time I heard this track, uh, the first song on their first record, it's called the first single meant to be a very knowing kind of wink to kind of launch them into a pop career. That never worked. Of course, Nate Ruiz would keep going on and he finally got there with fun. And then as a solo artist, you know, singing with pink and all of that stuff. But but this is his first uh, big, big swing, him and his uh, co-band leader, Sam. And I think this song fucking rips. Such a good song. too good honestly <laughs> something a little <laughs> suspicious just a little uh, too good too do much, you too know much. who's playing drums on that track do you happen to know this jeff i don't think i know dan that is mr josh freeze recently named foo fighters full-time drummer really yes wow yeah that's i like that that little tidbit should we play one more from that we, record we should okay yeah, this is i think we should wait 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 and by the way, the album is called in, something in lullabies. What's it called? It's called in, Interventions Interven and Lullabies. Yeah. Interventions and Lullabies. Back when that was a very common album naming practice. Something oh, yeah. and like same, something. Same with something and the bell and the hammer. Bell right? and the hammer. I mean, hey, there you go. We all, we all love doing something and something. Yep. Here's Wait, Wait, Wait. Nothing 
little connection, Jeff. I don't know if you knew this, but Ryan Lallier, who played guitar in Waking Ashland, was in Nate Ruiz's band for a while and even filled in for fun for some of the times when Jack Antonoff wasn't there to play guitar. Uh, and so there's a little Waking Ashland format connection. That, yeah, that that's came sweet. Years I, didn't, later. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, dude, the format, I mean, so such a good band. Obviously fun. You know, he, he finally kind of figures it out there um, by bringing in Jack and uh, the dude from Anathalo. And, right. but the format, then they had that second record, Dog Problems, which got, which is really a very clear bridge to fun. It's like a lot more orchestral. Mm -hmm. It's a lot right. less kind of straight pop rock. It's it's the kind of thing that, especially the first fun album, um, Aim and something. Again, what, what's with these? Ants. Uh, <laughs> that that record really has a similar kind of orchestral like vibe, and then it, it goes a bit more streamlined and, and pop with uh, some nights. But yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's all there. It's all there on that first format record. It was all. It was already there. Yep. And I just love it. It's so great, and it's such a time in my life. Just sophomore year in college ish. That thing comes out right when we're trying to make this thing happen and hit the road, and and they're doing it. By the way, they're from uh, Tempe, Arizona. Um, I believe it's Tempe, one of the Arizona cities. Is it? Yeah, somewhere in Arizona. Okay, well, let's go to my number five. My number five is, I think, Los Angeles area, Hello Goodbye, Forrest Klein and Co. I, I love this because I, you, you're sort of surprising me with, with your, my, you know, you kind of knew some of my songs, but I'm excited to be surprised by your list. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I had to have you send me yours ahead of time so that I could no, add, no, that add to the playlist. But so Hello Goodbye they kind of burst onto the scene with an EP on drive through records around 05, 04, 05, 06, something like that, maybe 06. And it was that kind of laptop pop, like auto-tuned sort mm -hmm. of dance getting into that emo pop punk kind of world. And then after that, they sort of moved away from that and, and did almost like a twee indie pop record. Uh, Would It Kill You is the name of that record. And that was the one that they were about to release when we toured with them in the States with Hanson in 2009. You know, they, they're most known for their track here in your arms. Right. Which, oh, I guess, I guess we got to play that. We'll, we'll play that first and then I'll talk about yeah, their, late, their later stuff. We got it. We got to play. Okay. Here's. Yeah. That looks, that looks like their most popular song, right? If you've ever heard a song by Hello Goodbye, it is this one. And it is called Here in Your Arms. And it was like a top 40 pop radio. It got a lot of airplay, which was a big deal in our scene. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because our lips can touch and our cheeks can brush. Our lips can touch. Just a killer chorus. Whoa, I forgot about that song. You did. I did. Yeah, it's great. That is a hit. It is an absolute banger. And, you know, I think that it it might have been like a platinum selling single or something like that. I remember some sort of designation like that. And it was a big deal. And they were playing like one of the bigger stages at Warp Tour uh, on the strength of that record when we did Warp Tour 06. 
And then we actually mm-hmm. toured with them in the UK in 2008 with Say Anything. Uh, and then we did the Hanson Hello Goodbye full US tour in 2009. So we toured with them twice. So I did, I prepared some notes here to, to have a little bit of fun with this. So that song. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear the notes. Okay. That song did have a big influence and that record on the stuff I was working on at the time. Um, in particular, the song, The Best in Me from our A Different Light album. And mm-hmm. I will play you the part that I am talking about. It is somewhat embarrassing to me now. Don't be embarrassed. I, I, let's, let's hear it. Okay. I have to turn that what off. The, what, the lis- what the listeners can't see is you uh, shaking your head in, in shame. Gr- grimacing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want you to be that hard on yourself at know, this point, Dan. But I, I don't okay. want to listen to that. Yeah. Okay. But I... I actually, I'm sad because I think that that song is a, like the the chorus, especially I really like in that song, but I let some really bad lyrics stay and the production is so 2007, which is my fault, yeah. not Lou's fault. And so I have regrets, but oh, well, you can't win them all. So I, I liked, yeah, I liked that first Hell Goodbye record, but the one I really fell in love with was the one that they were promoting on the Hanson tour or they were, they were playing some songs from it because it wasn't out yet. Would it kill you? And they basically dropped all the auto tune pretty much. I'm sure it cost them a lot with fans when they kind of changed that stuff because, you know, that's how it goes with people who love your band. And here's how I know that I truly love Hello Goodbye's music is that they never really liked me personally as much as I wanted them to. I always wanted to be better friends than we were. Yeah. It's the same thing with Jack Antonoff, who was fronting Steel Train at the on that same tour. Uh, I also love his music. I like Bleachers a lot more than I like Steel Train. If these guys never clicked with me personally, even if I wanted to, the fact that I really listened to their music, given my ego, and the fact that that could for sure get in the way for me, uh, is proof positive that I love the music and the music is worthy of the love. Does that make sense? That's so funny. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, they, <laughs> okay. they really missed out. They missed out on a friendship with you. You know what? It's I'd not like too to late, Forrest. It's not too late, Jack, but... It's never too late. But I'm not holding out hope. So uh, yeah. this is uh, Finding Something to Do from Would It Kill You 2010 by Hello Goodbye. That's all. Wow, I, I no no, I don't know this this era of Hello Goodbye. Dude, that record it rips. It's so wow. good. 
this is kind of like are we starting to enter like phantom planet time of or is this is that still a little early i guess i'm hearing that like the that air that sort of feeling in the air those couple those couple years dude speaking of a band like the format that would have been on our very top list of bands to tour with oh phantom planet that would have been Are a dream. Yeah. It's Amazing. a little Amazing. it's a little later than the Phantom Planet uh heyday, which is like the OC. I think that's more like 05, kind of mid mid 2000s. But yeah, right. they he's certainly like expanding and Forrest was the the leader of that band and and sort of yeah, going out from there and I think just really really succeeding. I think that that mm -hmm. record has like six incredible tracks. I feel like I got to just play, let's just do one more while we're here. Yeah, yeah, I might I'm going to have to add this to my list to check People out. don't know this record and uh, it's a real shame. It is like their lowest, it looks like it's their lowest ranked album on Apple Music. I think maybe, maybe because fans felt like it was not what they wanted, but like, listen to this, dude, listen to this song. This was the single they were promoting. This is called When We First Met and they were playing this on that tour with us. He's got a little formula there with the drop pre-chorus. You notice that in both songs? Yeah, I did. Yep. And it's about time someone calls him out for it. <laughs> it's about time someone <laughs> fucking said something. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Um, no, that's re that's really good. And honestly, I'll be adding, I'll be, um, I'll listen to this album. This is, this is fun. Hell yeah. Okay. Your number four is a band called Punchline. Are they Jersey or Long Island or something? I don't know a ton about them. So Punchline is actually Pittsburgh. Okay. Awesome guys. And yeah, after, I, th I think it was after our tour with you guys ended up becoming our, lo our, our longest tour. So we got to, we got to know those guys. Awesome band, super, super pop punk. I, I remember they had a really good following in Buffalo. So they, they had, you know, cause Buffalo is only uh, three hours from Pittsburgh, right? And I and I remember that Buffalo was just a place that they would um, come to often. So I think we started going to some of their shows and and got to know them. You know, even back then, we probably probably given them a little demo or a little you know a little something yeah. to 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 say. And actually, I should when we get to another band, uh, we'll we'll talk about you know finding your way onto tour with a little bit of extra work. Oh gosh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. we both yeah, know so how to do that. Trip. Yeah. But no, Punchline was was one of our um, one of our best tours. Awesome guys. Let's hear one of their songs. I think we. Okay, here's here's open up.
So, so the part that we just stopped at, and, and I'm not asking you to keep going, but I, th that's what I loved about Punchline. So that album's from like 03 or 04, you know, or, you know, super pop punk, but they had yeah. these moments like that we we're just about to go to where they really sort of introduced this melodic side of them. And I remember being very inspired by that because, you know, I was, I was a pop punk guy to start, but then I kind of started to lean a little bit more into my melodic you know right. especially as as years went on but i remember i love that about punchline was this pop punk band that would be super fast you know super mxpx like and then suddenly just have these really pretty moments um so that that was that was one of the thing and i've even you know even their, as their music they have quite a long catalog and i think they're even a current band now or you know they've maybe stopped and started but i think they're still going and their their music's continued to evolve and uh always always fond memories of those guys yeah, I was thinking like it's got like twenty five percent Get Up Kids dropped into like yes. a Fallout Boy type pop punk band. That that's actually a really good call out. Yeah, yeah, no, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah, why don't we hear? Want to hear part of um, Not Afraid from that same album? Yes, and I'll just say I, I missed this band. I have never listened to them. I didn't hear them at the time, but I'm going. Oh my yeah. gosh! If I had had this in oh three oh four, I would. I would have freaked out. It's a little harder <laughs> to go back, right? It's. When, it if you didn't get it at the time, but I am just, in, I'm able to imagine what I would have thought of it had I heard it then. So yeah. And, and exactly like I remember before you hit it, like I just remember seeing them, I think at Showplace Theater in Buffalo, New York, which was one of those just, you know, those venues in Buffalo that you, you had to play that was both disgusting and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing them probably in, you know, probably in 02, 03 and just being like, Oh man, like exactly what we're talking about. Like just seeing a band at the right time and, and it kind of hitting you in a, in a unique way. So cool. Okay. Here's yeah. uh, not afraid. Why do I want you? Nice, dude. That one, that part's just a bit more pop punk straight ahead, but it's good. Totally. They're fun. And I remember we played a show with them in Chicago and the guys from a couple of the guys from fallout boy came to see them. Yeah. And, uh, I think they introduced us to them and I just knew that cause I think they were on fueled by ramen. So same label. And, um, but they were just one of those bands that I think they were respected by their, their peers quite a bit. Just awesome. Super, super nice, nice guys. Yeah. That's so cool. My number four is a band that honestly, if we, we had to reschedule this a few times because your life is very busy and <laughs> I for, had forgotten and we, I would have recorded without this band in here and I would have been so bummed at myself, not least because they even were mentioned uh, on the uh, third episode of this podcast. This is The Dangerous Summer um, from the Baltimore, Maryland area. And yeah. they toured with us in 2009, I believe. Uh, it might have been, might have been 2010. And we did a full, pretty long U.S. tour with them. Uh, got to know them. They were, <laughs> they were quite wild uh, on the road. They were a little bit of a uh, liability, <laughs> I would say. 
Um, and I think they knew that or eventually came to understand that. But I really, really enjoyed hanging with them. And I really liked their band then. And I I love them now. I mean, they, they have really grown uh, more and more in my estimation and have climbed higher and higher on the overall kind of pop punk emo uh, pyramid, even though they came, mm-hmm. I think as a band, they came like five years too late. And if they had, mm-hmm. if they had been there five years earlier, like, and they, they could have been, it's not like a derivative thing that, you know, they, they could have written that music five years earlier and they would have just had so many, it just would have been a better time for them. But they basically got going like in the beginning of the financial crisis. And when that kind of emo pop thing was kind of waning a bit. Right. Okay. But so this is from their first record. This is the the single from that record called Where I Want to Be. And this is the song that Nate heard somewhere and said, Dan, I think we should bring this band on tour. And that's that's how we found them. No, I was losing sight of my hometown. In my blacking out, I think I let you down. Don't let them try to save me, because I'm already crazy. And there is something in your face. Anyway, that's a just a killer song. That's awesome. Yeah. One of my one of my good friends around here who I've actually played some music with in this next phase of this Pennsylvania phase of my life, he loves the Dangerous Summer. Often refers to them as, you know, one of his one of his favorite bands. And yeah, like, like kind of I think he even mentioned like just one of those bands that just flew a little bit under the under the radar, yep. right? Like yeah. but, but super cool. Yeah. Well, I think AJ has naturally just a insane voice he he reminds me a lot of kenny from the starting line just this kind of mm-hmm. natural gruffness but then uh very catchy pretty melodies let's i'll play one more clip and then and then we'll move on this is from their next record war paint and uh, this is no one's gonna need you more there are so many tracks i could play from this record i really love literally every single track uh, but this chorus is the one i come back to probably more than any other Awesome, right? Yeah, no, really good. Yeah, you're you're giving me a couple bands that I need to probably explore a little bit. Dear listener, follow Jeff's lead and and subscribe to the Spotify playlist attached yeah, to the episode. Get in yeah, there, shuffle it up. Yeah, we will shuffle it. I up. make them for every episode, and they're I think yeah. they're a little underutilized. Well, let's. I'm not, let's I'm not taking that personally. It's on. fine. Okay. Okay. No, no, don't take it. Not, not like the friendship with the guy from Hello Goodbye. No, exactly. Or Jack, or my most famous <laughs> or Jack, former yeah. friend, Jack Antonoff. Yeah. Oh, Jack. 
Well, that's going to do it for us this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend that you think also would like to hear Jeff and I talk about bands that were touring in 15 passenger vans and RVs and occasionally tour buses throughout the years 2004 to 2010. I realize there is a very funny specificity about this, but man, I had a blast and I'm excited for you guys to hear part two next week. And yeah, check out that Spotify playlist and uh, shuffle some of this stuff up. Although I guess you would have uh, some of the other bands spoiled for you. So if you don't want to be spoiled, wait until next week to pull up the Spotify playlist. That is the extent of my personal advice to you. Thank you for listening. See you next week.